This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Good morning. Wow. I'm going to go a little off script here. Uh, I just realized I haven't stood on this stage doing this since the second week of March. How time flies, doesn't it? Wow. It's really, really good to be here. And it's really good to see you all. And it's really good to be part of God's church. Um, something that came up, uh, a writer said something that has stuck with me and uh, continues, I think, to apply. He said, if you really want to learn how to play chess, what you do is you remove the queen and you try to play without the most powerful piece. And when you do that, actually, you begin to really master uh, every other piece of, in the repertoire of the game, right? If you don't have the most powerful uh, piece to play with, you learn how to use the, the castle and the, the knight and, and the bishop and all that really well. And he said, then what you do is once you master that, you then add the queen and just see how good you are, how effective you are. What I believe has happened is, uh, in many ways, Sunday mornings became, is the queen of the way we do church, and it's been removed for us a season. And I want to tell you this, Mount Carmel Christian Church has been learning how to fulfill ministry with all the other pieces, with all the other things that God provides us. And as we slowly add back what we do on Sunday morning, I am really excited by what's going to be happening how God is going to be using us as a church as we use the other parts of the body in different ways to reach people, to bring them to knowledge and faith and commitment to Jesus Christ, making disciples who make disciples. And so uh, it's good to be here. It's also good to have this thing up there because, you know, uh, this, this. I, uh, kids, I've been trying to see if I can turn quick enough to see myself. Oh, almost, almost, but anyway. So um, we, I'm told by my mother that my very first fear, my very first thing I was afraid of apparently were fish. For some reason as a toddler, uh, I became afraid of fish, and I didn't want to be around fish. I didn't want to see fish. If I saw a fish in a tank, I freaked out. I was a strange kid, I know. But it was always fish, fish, fish that scared me. Well, after time, uh, I grew up and I got over that, and then I started becoming afraid of dogs, strange dogs in particular. I didn't want to be around dogs. I used to freak out when there was a dog, and I was asked that the dog be put away. No, I was afraid of dogs, and I know why I was afraid of dogs. is because uh, I tried to pet a dog that seemed friendly, and it turned out it snapped at me, and it scared me. So... Uh, I was afraid of dogs for a while, and then after a time, I, I grew out of that. And I'm no longer afraid of dogs. In fact, I, I love dogs, and I enjoy dogs, just like fish. I like fish now, particularly eating them, catching them, all that fun stuff. I, I can be around them, I promise you. 
But isn't that the way of the world? Isn't that how we all are? We grow up, we have things that we're afraid of, and over time, uh, we get over them, hopefully, and we move on, and then it becomes another thing. Now, of course, there are some folks that have some problems with fears, and that grips them, and that's a problem to them. But by and large, most of our experience is that we, we're afraid of things, we grow, we learn, we get over that fear, and then it's something else. All this points to the fact that we know what's true in this world, really, is that we live in a dangerous place. There are things, really, that we do need to be afraid of. There are things that are uncertain, that while we may think our lives are filled with order and safety, uh, something can hit, boom, and all of a sudden things are upside down. We live in a world where there are things to be afraid of. Let's just be honest about that. I mean, we, we tell our kids, it's okay, don't be afraid. And what we mean is, don't be afraid of the thing that you're afraid of because we're going to protect you. But truth is, if we're really honest, there are things to be afraid of in this world. And actually, fear in its right place is a good thing, right? It's fear that prevents you from thinking that a polar bear is the Coca-Cola bear that you can go out and pet right? Because if you try to do that to a real polar bear, it will decide that you look like a Coca-Cola bottle. And yeah, anyway, uh, right? It's good to have a fear of something like that. It's good to be fearful. We tell our kids, hey, a car, a speeding car on the road, that's dangerous. You need to have a, a level of fear to not put yourself in that place. Because really what God has given us is this ability to recognize ahead of time to see the future and know because we can see the future, we can predict the things that are dangerous. And in doing that, fear prevents us from being hurt. Fear keeps us safe. Fear keeps us alive. And so fear in its right place is a good thing, right? We need to have a healthy fear of certain things. My mom always said, don't put your fingers in the, in the, in the, uh, the electrics thing because you're going to get bit. She was right, smart woman. Anyway, <laughs> fear's good when fear is a servant. But as we know, when fear is a master, when fear becomes controlling, when fear becomes the thing that overwhelms us, when fear becomes a master of our lives, that's not a good thing. When we become controlled by fear, when we can be controlled not by necessarily threats that we were receiving, but more threats that we imagine and forecast and, and worry about, when we are controlled by fear, that's not a good thing. Fear is a good servant, but it's a terrible master. Fear is a good servant, but a terrible master. Hey, let's, let's do this interactively. Let's say that together. Can you say that with me? Kids, you want to say that? Fear is a good servant, but a terrible master. You can say master if you come from, you don't want to follow the accent. But let's do that again. Can I, can I hear you? Fear is a good servant, but a terrible what? Master. Right, right. So now we come to this conversation. We've been going through this series and we're talking about, let's talk about it, and we come to this issue that we want to discuss, this issue of the spiritual realm and the reality that as Christians, there really is uh, the truth that Jesus' followers, people who seek to follow God, will face an opposition from an enemy, an enemy. The devil is real, and the Bible's testimony is that uh, he's kind of, it's dangerous and that if you're a Jesus follower, there is a reality that, that we face an unseen enemy, an unseen enemy. And, and ultimately, as Jesus followers, 
There are things that are not seen but affect our lives, and these unseen things have bad intentions towards us, and, and that can, can lead to fear. That can lead to fear. I understand that. But the Bible says that we, as Jesus followers, face this. This is our reality, that we are in a war. We call it spiritual war. Why is it spiritual war? It's because we're facing an enemy that we can't necessarily see, or more importantly, an enemy that's, that's making uh, our lives difficult. And so let's go to Scripture right now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul, he's addressing uh, Christians. And he says this, finally, and this is the end of his letter. So he's at the end of his letter. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, right? This is the conclusion. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the e of evil in the heavenly realms. And so Paul's really putting, bringing to light what Christians are about to experience in this issue of spiritual warfare. And I just want to break things down. There are three things that he says, three things that, that, he, that he points out. First of all, he says Christians will struggle against spiritual enemies. As Christians, you can expect living in this life to have opposition from an enemy, an enemy, he says, unseen. He says, this unseen enemy is behind the struggles that you would face, the difficulties that you would have in life, your unseen enemy. You know, when we think about it, this now kind of thing, well, that, you know, that may give us reason to be afraid. That may give us reason to fear. That may give us reason to be worried about the future. Why? Because we are told clearly that we face an unseen enemy, one who's working against us, and he is, he's, he's the devil. And so we may begin to worry, well, okay, then I have to be, be fearful of demons, and I have to be fearful of ghosts and the spiritual realm and, and monsters and so on and so forth, right? Because the Bible says that. The Bible says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, not against things that we can see primarily, he says, but things are motivating the things that we can see to bring bad things into our life. Our Christians will struggle against a spiritual enemy. But let's continue on. What does the scripture tell us next? It says, what it basically tells us is that if you're a Jesus follower, though we face an enemy, right, we don't need to be afraid of them being dangerous. Why? Because Christians are dangerous. Well, excuse me, let's not jump ahead here. Christians have what they need from God to overcome. Christians have what they need to overcome. God with us means he provides what we need to stand and a lot of people get excited about this passage in, first, in, in Ephesians 6, and they think it's all about, you know, what, you know fighting script, you know, demons and all this wrestling with the spiritual ones. Well, what he basically keeps saying is over and over, stand, stand, stand. He's basically saying, remain faithful. The way you resist the enemy, the way you overcome the enemy is that you rely on the resources that God provides in order to overcome to withstand. God with us means we have available to us the resources available for us to overcome. Now, Paul uses the illustration of putting on armor. If you read on in that passage in chapter 6, he talks about putting on the armor, you know, the helmet and a breastplate and a shield and a belt and, and sandals that are made for war. And guess what, kids? A sword. 
I always loved the sword. I always wanted a sword. I was a kid that made a sword out of everything I had, actually specifically a lightsaber, because I thought I was a Jedi. But anyway, that was a different time, different place. But we're given all these things. Why? Because God is saying, hey, I've given you the resources. If I am with you, you are with me. I've given you the resources you need to overcome. While the enemy may be dangerous and may be something that you might have some concern about, understand that with God in our lives, by His Spirit, He provides us everything to live a life of obedience to overcome whatever the enemy comes out against us. Which brings to the third observation. Christians are dangerous because they are with God. Parents, if your kid, uh, you're training your child in, in, in the Lord, you're bringing them up, one of the best things you can say to them when they are afraid for whatever reason, when they're afraid of, of, of whatever they're afraid of, like me, whether it's fish or whether it's a dog or whether it's the boogeyman or whether whatever they're afraid of, one of the best things you can say them, to them is this, hey, with God on your side, you are dangerous. You're dangerous. Because ultimately, that's what Paul says. He says, we are the ones that the enemy needs to be worried about. When we are equipped with the armor of God, we have a sword for goodness sake. I don't know about you, but a sword's a kind of a dangerous thing, right? Swords are dangerous. You like that sound? I prefer... Anyway, uh, Christians are the dangerous ones. Jesus said it this way. We, we get this in, in, in the Gospels. He's standing at a place that was known, this mountain that was known for its, its being a place of evil to the Jews. This was the place, they call it the, the gates of Hades. This is a place where despicable evil occurred. And Jesus right there and then, when he asked Peter, hey, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the God. Do you remember that? And Jesus says, on this rock, I shall build my church. What he's referring to is on the testimony that Jesus is the Christ, I will build my church. And he, what does he say? And the gates of Haiti, evil shall not prevail. That is not a defensive statement. That is an offensive statement. Evil will not stand when Christians live their lives for Jesus, by the resources that Jesus provides, putting on the armor of God and living according to the things that are described in the armor. Salvation, identity, faith, prayer, steadfastness, readiness to share the gospel, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, living by the Word, by His will. I grew up in Zimbabwe, Africa, and... Uh, we like to go camp. One night we went camping. We were camping with some buddies at a place where there is a, a game reserve. And uh, one night we were sleeping, and all of a sudden I got woken up by a, a terrible sound. I mean, literally, I mean, it was like the leaves of the trees were shaking. Roar, roar. Lions were roaring. And I thought, oh my goodness, I am a dead man. I won't be able to outrun them. I could outrun my friend, but they'll get him, and then they'll get me. I heard the lions roaring. Now, at this place, they had a game warden that sat with us. He protected us. He was with us. And so I went out in my tent, and I talked to the game warden. I said, there's a lion, the African word we use is shumba. I said, yeah, they're shumba. And he goes, yes. I said, are they close? He started laughing. He said, no, 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 they're far away. Those animals are powerful. 
And in their roaring, they were miles away, but when they roared, it sounded like they were right near me. They woke me up out of a dead sleep. That's how powerful the lion is. You know, we call the lion the king of the beast for that reason. It's, it's noble, it's powerful, it's regal. And in fact, in the Bible, we're, we find out that Jesus is described as a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion, the king of kings, ruler of all things, powerful and dangerous. One of my favorite books growing up was a book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many have read that book? How many know that book, right? You may have seen the movie. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was written by a Christian man named C.S. Lewis, and he uses that story to really uh, tell the story of Jesus and about how the work of Jesus in, in, occurred laying down his life for others. But the story involves four children who get taken to another world called Narnia. They go through the wardrobe. As, they're going into the, as they go into Narnia, they discover that the, the world of Narnia is under winter. There's always winter and never Christmas. It's, it's a horrible thing. But they have hope. Hope is, is that the animals who can all talk have heard that Aslan is on the move. And Aslan is the Messiah figure in the book. Aslan is a lion. And I always remember the conversation, and I read it, and when I saw it in, 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 in the, the cartoon version of the movie, there's a conversation by Mr. and Mrs. Beaver regard, with, the, with the children. And they're talking about Aslan, and they're describing Aslan. That is, the beavers are describing Aslan to the kids. And the kids are like, who's Aslan? And he goes, well, he's the king of the, king of the woods. He's the, he's the main guy, right? What is he? Is he a man? No, no, he's not a man. He's a lion. He's a lion? And what did, what did they say? He's a lion? Is he tame? Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says this line. He goes, safe? Safe? He's not safe. He's a lion. He's not tame. He's the king of the beasts. He's not safe, but he's good. See, Jesus is not safe, but he's good. And with Jesus with us, he gives us everything we need so that fear will not become our master. But instead, fear can be our servant to keep us alive so that we can follow the King of Kings, Jesus. Christians are dangerous when they are with God. Why? Because Jesus, the lion, is with us. This reminds me of another story. I don't know if you remember the story of David and Goliath. David was the shepherd boy. He probably wasn't a little boy. He was probably a, teen, a young teen, early tween, something like that. But he was a, untrained militarily. He spent his time taking care of the family flocks. One day he comes to take food to his brothers. His brothers are in the army. They're having a standoff between uh, the Israel army and the army of the Philistines, the army of the Philistines say, let's take care of this in a, in a contest. You send out a champion who will fight our champion, who is this man, Goliath, who was, a, who was a monster. He was a giant. And he was not only a giant, he was a professional, professional soldier. All the armor, all the weaponry, he had everything. And he was dangerous. But David had a different view, didn't he? 
David said, I can't take it, this guy saying all this stuff about God and about the armies of God. Uh, isn't someone going to step up? He basically, no one wanted to step up and fight him, so he said, I'll fight him. Because my experience, when God is with me, I'm dangerous. I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear when I'm taking care of my sheep. My God will take care of me now. A God with me makes me dangerous. Right? Remember that? And so he comes out to fight First of all, Saul says, hey, why don't you try my armor on? And David's like, it just doesn't feel good. It's not natural to me. It's not that it was too big. It was just uncomfortable. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to do what I do. And so he goes down to the brook. He's just in his shepherd garb. He goes down to the brook, and he picks up five smooth stones because his only weapon is a slingshot. But he's very good at a slingshot, right? And so he comes out against Goliath. Goliath looks at him and goes, what, what is this? Why have you come at me? Am I like a dog that you're going to send out your little, you know, treat me so disrespectfully? And David's like, yeah, whatever. And so he comes at him. But I want you to listen to the words of David when he's coming at the, the, the giant. Now imagine David's flying and he's coming at him and he's swinging his sling and he's ready. Listen to what he says, right? He said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, cut off your head, and cut off your head. This very day I will give the caucuses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by my sword or spear that the Lord saves. It is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into my hands. And what happened? On the surface, it looked like the odds were against David. I mean, if you're a betting man and you're looking at this and you're like, okay, here's a professional soldier, he's a giant. He's much stronger, much better trained. He's got all the, the tools for hand-to-hand -hand combat. And here's David, this shepherd boy who has no military training whatsoever, coming at him with a slingshot. How's this going to turn out? It looks like if anyone should be afraid, it should have been David. And in fact, everyone else looking at it like, uh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Everyone except who? David. Why? Because David understood that God with me means I'm dangerous. And David came at Goliath, released the slingshot that came out like a bullet, hit the giant in the head, the giant went down, and David took the giant's sword and cut off his head. A great victory, not for David, a great victory for God. Why? Because God with me means that I'm dangerous for good. God with me means I'm dangerous for good. And that's the message. Why? Because we live in a time where it's easy for us to be absorbed by the message of the world and all of a sudden be overcome by fear. To be overcome by fear and all of a sudden shift our allegiance and stop making fear the master, not the servant. But as Jesus follows, we understand that when we are with God, if God is our master, everything else will have its place, even the appropriate place for fear. Because God with us means we're dangerous. 
dangerous to use the resources God provides to live a life of faithfulness to him, to rely on him in our day-to-day. That's what the armor is all about and the sword in our day-to-day. God with me means I'm dangerous for good. Are you with God? Will you follow him? We know that the beginning of the end for the enemy occurred when Jesus went to the cross and he laid down his life for us. But did not stay dead, did he? No, he overcame death and came back to life, resurrection. And that was the beginning of the end. And what he did was then he commissioned his followers, those who are saved by grace through faith, in baptism, filled with the Spirit, to live lives, though they may face opposition and though they may face situations where the enemy appears to we win, that in the end, even if they, as Paul says, take our body, we serve a God of resurrection. God with us means we're dangerous for good. And so I want to encourage you to uh, take your communion right now. And I'm encourage you to um, pop open the top. And I want you to uh, take with me a communion, if you wouldn't mind. We're going to take communion together. After we take communion together, we'll be dismissed to uh, head on out. Please make sure you dispose of your communion cup in the uh, trash cans out there. If you have an offering to give, uh, we have the, uh, the urn out there. Uh, and do that. But let's remember as we take the bread, let's remember that we serve a Savior who has overcome and provides us what we need to overcome in this world that fear will no longer be master, but Jesus will be our master and that we will be with him. Let's take bread together. Let's also open up and be ready to take the juice. The juice represents the blood that's spilled, and Jesus said this is a a new covenant. This is a a new agreement by which uh, we can be right with God. It's an agreement that's made open through faith. And in this agreement, not only what we find is that God says, I count you worthy. I count you worthy. Though you have sinned, though you have fallen, though you are really unworthy based upon your own actions and deeds, I count you worthy, and the value of your worth is measured in the blood spilled by my only begotten Son. But not only are you worthy, because of my Spirit in you, because of the resources I provide for you, you have worth to give to the world for good in my name. The Holy Spirit in our lives equips us to be dangerous for good so that the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Let us take the juice together. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this time we can share different times, and uh, we're headed towards, uh, you know, getting back to a a new routine. I ask that you would continue to uh, remind us not to be overcome by fear, to realize that fear is not a good master. 
It's a good servant, but it needs to submit to the Lordship, our commitment to Jesus Christ who overcame. I pray that you would help us to, to access the resources in faith, access the resources in faith to live faithfully to you. I'm thankful that everyone is here, that uh, the kids are here, that the students are here, that grandparents are here at this time. I'm thankful everyone that has gathered here today. Thank you for your blessings and your gifts in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you have any prayer needs or would like to talk to uh, a minister, know that Arlen is out there, uh, but as well as uh, Tim Peace, who was leading the, the, the music here, Aaron and, and Lisa are here as well, and I'm going to be out there in the foyer too, available. Uh, Harry Snyder's here, one of our elders uh, over here too, so uh, feel free to, to engage. I know Rick Hedger's sitting out there in the dark somewhere. But uh, if you know Rick, uh, talk to them, prayer needs. If you have a prayer need you want to share, we don't have the ability to write right now uh, in, in the sanctuary, go ahead online or email us or just call us. Leslie's available uh, tomorrow. Just uh, let us know, and uh, the prayer needs will continue to go out in that way. Uh, you can fill out an online response card for that. God bless. Glad to see you. Have a great day.